Welcome to How the Guest Was Won, Tales from the Trails for Vacation Rental Pioneers. This is your host, Andy Medic, CEO of Stay Attention, former CEO of my own vacation rental management company, Sea Change Vacation Rentals, and most importantly, guest. To thrive as an operator in the wild west of today's vacation rental industry, you must get focused and clear on your brand and revenue strategy. In this podcast, through stories from our businesses and our experience as guests, we'll explore the concepts, challenges, and common obstacles encountered while building vacation rental hospitality brands, regardless of scale. Vacation Home Pioneers, bring your voices, your stories, and join me on the trails as together we tell the true story of how the guest was won. Wow, here we are, episode seven already. Up and Adam, because today we're heading back out on the trail. The title of today's episode is Get Organized, Doing It All Without Giving It Your All. But first, our usual reminder, if you've not already listened to earlier episodes, including our preview episode, I urge you to go back and listen since our seasons run as a complete series, and I would be very sad for you to miss out. Listing appointments for new owners and properties into your management program? Do you get nervous? Well, relax. We're not talking specifically about listing appointments today. Once I've gotten this off my chest, that is. Do you know the two most frequently occurring questions that I used to get on listing appointments with prospective new owners when looking at using my vacation home management company to manage their property? No, it was not how much money do you think I can get, although that was obviously a very popular question. And no, it was not will my property get damaged. Again, good guess. What? What's that? Thank you from the back. You're spot on. The two most frequently occurring questions that I got were How many properties do you manage? Closely followed by How many employees do you have? That's what I'm talking about. Do you know both these questions never fail to make me bristle? I never got over the feeling of being on the defensive that these two perfectly reasonable questions caused in me. What about you? Do you get these two questions often? How do they make you feel? How do you respond? I think for me the questions were acceptable, understandable, yet I got defensive since I could not really understand why it was so important to a property owner. I kind of got it in the early days when we were unknown in the area and facing off against giant competitors, but as our brand became better known, better differentiated, more established, I found these questions, well, just plain irrelevant. Fast forward a few years, I found myself in the unusual position of parting ways with a company that I had hired to manage a vacation rental investment property that I owned in another part of the country. Why hadn't I just managed the property through my own company? 
For many reasons, I had decided it was not feasible at that time to expand the company to a state that was not exactly within driving distance, so we had hired a local company to manage our property for us, even though we owned a vacation home management company ourselves. I know, weird, right? Oh, yeah. Anyway, long and only slightly relevant story short, we were not happy with our management company, so we were looking for an alternative. We found what we considered to be a good option, and I set up the listening appointment. What happened next made me laugh with painful recognition. Do you know what two questions I asked the property manager? Yep, you have it. How many properties do you manage, closely followed by how many employees do you have? Then I listened to the property manager get all defensive as he blustered through his answers. Defensive! Just like myself on my own listing appointments. Isn't it amazing when suddenly the cowboy boot is on the other foot? I'm now the property owner asking a property manager the very questions that I bristle at as a property manager and get in a very similar reaction. Come out with your hands up! Busted. Oh, you know this caused me more than pause for thought about why I felt the need to ask a question that generated the same defensive reaction in another property manager. It kind of brings me back to the topic in our last episode, episode 6, when I talked about empathy. Only this time, my brain popped out the perspective that it's not about empathy. It's about organization. Hold it right there! Wait a minute. I thought we were going to talk about organization and staffing planning today. So why then am I going on about empathy? Finally, when I was in the position of a property owner interviewing a property manager, the empathy penny dropped. Now I understand why a property owner asks these two questions. I can add that understanding to my perspective on the other side of the conversation since I already knew why the question made me bristle as a property manager. This brings me then to the subject of this episode, episode 7, which is all about having an organization chart, or at least a plan for how you will match your growth needs with people to help you execute on your vision. What's your strategy to execute your vision? It turns out the villain of this story is really what makes me bristle. I'm on the defensive since I feel that with these questions, I can't win either way. What's the magic number of properties and employees to make the property owner comfortable that you're established yet not high or low enough to make them feel as if they will not get your attention. Defensiveness is the villain of our story, and we need a workaround, a plan of action to beat this villain. (laughs) I get defensive because right away, instead of giving a prepared, honest answer, I'm fishing for the answers the owner lead wants to hear at the same time I'm wondering what the relevance of the questions are. In this case, what is the right answer? The answer the owner lead wants to hear? Or my answer to the question that I think they're really asking? What in blue blazes is going on? Uh Uh-oh, plot twist. I bet you didn't expect this angle now, did you? What, did you expect a dry conversation about drawing an org chart? This is not some fancy highfalutin MBA course here. This is us, chatting, getting real, raw. Figuring it out together. So you tell me, 
Are there any listeners out there who own properties that they've placed into management with a third party? Did you ask the company how many properties they manage and how many employees they have? You know how you beat this defensive villain? You check if you're off base. Think back to our very first episode on the trails together. In episode one, remember we talked about figuring out your why? Remember that I also subtitled the episode, Why is up, why don't you? There's your answer. If you're ever unsure if you're hearing someone correctly, insert a why. Not only is it a chance to validate an assumption you have, it's also a practical interlude to give you a chance to think. Here's an example. When I'm asked the two questions about how many properties I manage and how many employees I have, instead of blustering my way through a red-faced defensive answer, I could say, that's a good question. A common concern that I hear from property owners, why do you ask? Tell me why that's important to you. Then stop talking. Let the client speak. See if they validate any assumptions you have. Once the clients made their point, summarize back to them what you think you heard their concern was, then go to town honestly answering where your business currently is and where it's heading and why. So why then are these two questions applicable to a conversation about developing an org chart for your business? Because when you ask an owner lead why they're asking these questions to you, they rarely stop at just these two specific concerns. I find that these concerns, these questions, lead on to areas of operations that, depending on which area crops up, will tell you a lot about what's important to this client. I think that when an owner lead is focusing on the number of properties you manage and how many people you have working at your company, they're really looking for answers to specific concerns that come to light in asking why. A client, for example, may ask any of these follow-up questions. They're all fairly common questions. Do you check my property for damage? How and when do I get paid? Do I provide bedding? Do you provide bedding, or does the guest bring their own? Where are you going to source guests from? Just these four examples should have you thinking, organizationally, how do these activities fit into my company? Is this something that we do? If so, who does it? If it's not something you do, is it something you should be doing? How? Who? An owner lead probably will underestimate the complexity of the business that you and they are in. However, if they're asking how many properties and employees you have, then what they're really doing is sizing you up. Does this company solve this problem for me? If so, how do they do it? Also, by asking how many employees you have, they're gauging how likely it is that you're going to be able to get the job done while still being available when they need you. I don't know where you are currently in your business development, dear listener pioneers. I don't know if you self-manage just one property that you personally own, 
a few properties that you own, or you've graduated to managing properties for others. What I do know is that in the early days of any business, especially if this is a new industry for you and you have no prior experience in the industry, well, the likelihood is that you're running around wearing lots of different hats, figuring out what solutions you need to be offering clients based on what they ask you for in the moment. Well, that sounds a little chaotic to me, and I bet that you're working seven days a week doing so. Oh, Hospitality is all about anticipating the needs of others, right? Well, just like in episode one, when I said you have very few opportunities to make it about you, this, right now, is another of those rare opportunities. Don't wait until you're running around trying to do everything before you take some time out and selfishly think about yourself. You've started a business. You clearly have a vision for what you're in business to do and for whom. You can't do everything. You'll burn out. Clients will notice, and you will drop spinning plates. I urge you, wherever you are in your business development cycle, take some time out immediately for yourself. Anticipate your own needs for once. I think I need to clarify my point. I'm not suggesting that your needs are more important than the guests in a hospitality business. What I mean is, haven't assessed your market, figured out your brand purpose, identity, and strategic positioning, which is guest or client-focused, then it gets to be your time. It gets to be about you, your needs. What resources and structure will you need to put in place to help you in your brand purpose? So it's a side story here to show the benefit of an org chart. When I was in the process of selling my own vacation home management company, potential buyers at this stage did not want to know the number of employees at each level in an org chart. They wanted to see a functional org chart, as in show me in picture form how your company functions. Worth bearing in mind, never say you'll never sell. Then the right opportunity comes along at the right moment in time, or maybe the wrong moment in time, and well, here you are. Build and run your company in such a manner that you can easily prepare it for sale because, well, you never know. You know what? I'm feeling generous today, so I'm going to share my five-point process that I developed to come up with an org chart for my own business. Number one. Get out the post-it notes and start jotting down all the things that your business does and for whom. Write down next to the task the name of the person currently doing that task, even if it's you doing everything. Number two, start organizing your post-it notes into common patterns. What tasks naturally group together? These are the beginnings of your departments. Then put a summary name to each group. Do you see the departments naturally coalescing? Here's some examples. Sales, business development for new inventory. Reservation sales. Finances, bookkeeping, owner statements, payroll. Marketing, operations, housekeeping. Operations, laundry. Operations, maintenance. Operations, property inspections. Operations, administrative services. Operations, Owner Relations, Operations, Guest Relations. 
Number three, once you have groupings of departments, you can start to group into functional areas of the business, such as sales, marketing, finances, operations, admin, guest services, owner services, and so on. Number four, Next, under your department name group, start fleshing out the title of the job needed to lead that functional area. For example, Director of Housekeeping, Director of Maintenance, Director of Reservations, and so on. Then you can start making some estimates for the size of these teams based on the number of properties you manage, volume of guests, occupancy of properties, and so on. You start to add a picture of scale onto your picture of your organization. And finally, number five, from all of these prior steps, you will see an org chart naturally appear in. Do you know what an org chart is? It's a visual representation of your vision in action, or as I referred to earlier, an ability to show someone in picture form how your company functions. Once you have an org chart, you can show it to your owner lead if they're interested in that level of detail. You must, however, be honest and speak not necessarily to the number of people on payroll, but to the mechanics of what services you provide to owners and guests, how you currently do it, and what your intended growth plans are. This org chart will be your plan towards which you build. There are standard components to our industry regardless of scale. Make sure you have a build it and they will come approach to staff in these areas. You may feel silly if you're a company of one or two and your names are on all of the department head positions currently. But hey, at least you have a working plan to answer your own lead and not get defensive. There's plenty of good HR advice out there. We even have companies springing up that are specialists in HR for short-term vacation rentals or at least the hospitality component of our industry. If you can't find anyone, at least get friendly with your local hotel GMs. They are a valuable source of help and often, when you're ready, staff. My point in this conversation is to get you thinking about a visual picture of your company's functions, whatever your brand niche is. There are functional areas of our businesses that are standard. Don't wait to figure it out the hard way, then perhaps knee-jerk and hire the wrong person for an open position or the right person at the wrong time. Break down all areas of your business. Factor in any plans you have for scaled growth and any value-add niche services that you offer. Get your plan down on paper in the form of an org chart tailored for what your company does. Build it and they will come. Or, more appropriately, build it for when you need it. A side benefit of doing this kind of self-analysis of your business is that you can very quickly tell if you're moving in a direction counter to your original intent. You will question why you're doing certain things for clients. You should look at the budgetary issues around what you're doing. I used to think it was enough to cover the cost of certain value-add services for clients. Once I saw a clear picture of everything we were doing group by function, not only could I see if we were skewing in the wrong direction on a service that we did not have the revenue to cover, but also I could then decide if I would continue to plan to staff for some positions or subcontract out to a vendor partner. I see so many good uses for a structured organization chart, even if you feel silly doing it at the scale that you're currently at. This is your picture of how your business functions. You can also use it to guide your growth. Gee whiz! In closing, 
What are the most common things that company founders do not find out until using hindsight is the value early on of hiring someone trusted and skilled to help you execute your vision, your strategy for your business. This position is a key early hire, in addition to good administrative support. Strategic visionary founders should never lose their ongoing focus on strategy and vision to keep forward momentum on their businesses. It's very difficult to work on business strategy when you're so busy working in your business. Additionally, common to many founders or visionary entrepreneurs is a single-minded outsider focus on seeing a real-world problem in a different way. The irony is that while many visionary founders have empathy for the end user of their products, their clients, founders may forget to have empathy for the team that they're going to need to execute on their vision. So often, highly driven, motivated entrepreneurs do not make the best managers or executors of the company's strategic vision. It's important then to hire an integrator, someone who can manage the execution of the founder's vision. I would also hire a revenue strategist very early on. We'll return to that in episode 9 when we discuss my own system that I call Revenue by Design. Let's bring it full circle and revisit the two questions that I most frequently hear from owner leads. How many properties and how many employees do you currently have? Or in other words, what problems will you solve for me? And are you resourced to do it? You will have a much easier time answering these questions, not to mention a better overall plan for your business if you've gone through the effort not only to develop an org chart, but to keep refining and revisiting that org chart as your knowledge and scale grows. That is our cue to wrap up another episode of How the Guest Was Won, Tales from the Trails for Vacation Rental Pioneers. What ground have we covered today, and what questions have we raised for further discussion? Against a backdrop of questions I commonly hear from owner leads, I framed an argument for doing some good, old-fashioned, soul-searching business analysis. From there, we walked through a sample exercise that I use in my own business, in how to format a functional org chart to lay out all areas of my business and provide a plan to grow into. I then made a case for immediate hiring of an integrator and revenue strategist to assist the entrepreneurial founder in the execution and management of their strategic vision. Up next, episode 8 is called Know Your Client Avatar While Rolling Your Eyes. Who's your ideal client? Don't risk trying to be all things to all people. Focus in on who you want to serve and how is that reflected in your business strategy. What to do when a client needs conflict with each other. That is the sound of another day on the trails coming to an end. I always like to close with a pun in case we got a little too serious with our conversation. So, sun's out, pun's out, here we go. Question. 
Why didn't I get hired for that marketing job? Answer: I'm anti-social. Until next time, happy trails. If your brand resonates with this podcast and you would like to sponsor this podcast, please get in touch with me through our website, stayattention.com forward slash podcast. If you have an episode topic or a story just burst in to be told, also get in touch with me through our website, stayattention.com forward slash podcast.